This, 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 this is mythical. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Dude, I'm going to 21 Savage with my nephew, Keon, and we are so hyped to see him. You have no idea. Uh, while you're doing that, Nicole, I'm going to be storming through the party like my name is El Nino because I'm going to be seeing some 41 <laughs> Skate Punk is back, and it's not pop punk. It is skate punk, but also they have so many more artists to choose from. You got Alanis Morissette, Cage the El. Elephant Nicole, you're not ready for this one. <gasps> Who is it? The Kids Bob Kids, baby. No way. <laughs> Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. That's right. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Today's the ultimate battle of the deli meats, pastrami versus corned beef. Man, why do you gotta pit two beefy queens against each other? Mm, I like when you say beefy queens. This is a hot dog as a sandwich. Ketchup is a smoothie. Yeah, I put ice in my cereal, so what? That makes no sense. A hot dog is a sandwich. A hot dog is a sandwich. <laughs> what? Welcome to our podcast, A Hot Dog is a Sandwich, the show where we break down the world's biggest food debates. I'm your host, Josh Sher. And I'm your host, Nicole Anaity. And Nicole, today we're taking on two juggernauts of the Jewish deli world, even though neither of them are like traditionally maybe Jewish deli meats, but we grew up eating them at yeah. Jewish delis. And even like delis aren't necessarily Jewish, but like we think of them. Jewish style. It's like Jewish style. It's become a Jewish tradition yeah. via the diaspora in New York, etc. Anyways, point is, corned beef versus pastrami. Some people think they're the same thing. They're not. They're wrong. Which one do you choose? I used to think they were the same thing for the longest time as a kid. I was just like, I want the red meat. I want the salty. I want the salty, salty delicious meat. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And both of them are salty and delicious. Exactly. So I used to not hmm. care. I, I lean more towards pastrami. That makes sense. Yeah. Does it? Why? Well, well no. I mean, you're, you, you are a woman. A very <laughs> discerning taste. That sounded creepy. I, don't I like am going, a woman. No, it would have been creepier if I said, no, you're a female, right? Yeah. Now, females love... No, uh, <laughs> pastrami is just corned beef that has also been peppered and smoked. Yum. Right? But gonna, isn't it fattier? So, yeah, if you're going to break it down on, like, the minutiae, uh, pastrami is typically made with a cut of beef called deckel. Deckel. That comes from, like, it has the top fattier part yes. that's still, like, attached to it, mm -hmm. whereas corned beef is traditionally made from brisket, brisket, although if you, like, really, really, really go into it, you can start breaking those down. And I think it's, like, somewhat safe to say that pastrami is a peppered and smoked corned beef. It can be fattier, but you can't also get fatty <sighs> corned it? beef. Corned beef doesn't necessarily have to come from I guess, brisket, and yeah. traditionally it didn't. I guess. Maybe it's just, I just think pastrami is easier to come upon in Do you this really? world. Yeah, corned Wait, beef. what do you mean? I don't know. I mean, when I'm thinking of corned beef, I'm thinking of deli corned beef. I'm not thinking of like uh, Irish. <laughs> Irish, Sorry, Irish this corned sounds beef. like my grandmother. No, no, no. no. <laughs> sauerkraut and potatoes, and you know, we're cooking the corned <laughs> beef. Sauerkraut's not Irish, dude. What? What do you mean? Do you think sour sauerkraut is like the German. most German thing in the world? Okay, but what are the what about the people that eat corned like, beef and cabbage? You're talking about? Yeah, isn't cabbage sauerkraut? Ca sauerkraut is lacto fermented cabbage. Okay, it's I'm right. Cabbage. Just say I'm right. It's, you're Nicole. You wow. Oh my God. You are beauty. <laughs> you. you are grace. You're <laughs> the smartest you. person. This is coming off the heels. We were playing Jeopardy today because we do that every day on the little like app or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Nicole, it was like, what's the most northern island of Japan? And Nicole's like, Hokkaido. And I was like, I don't think that's right. And I said, Okinawa. And then it was Hokkaido. So I need to trust Nicole's smarts more. And that's what we've learned today. <laughs> Thank you. That was really brave of you to say on a public platform. No problem, Nicole. You uh, deserve the credit where it is due. It is due right at your face. Josh, what do you like more, corned beef or pastrami? 
I don't know. What do you like? I told no, you what I, I like. Okay. I agree with you that when I was a kid, because, like, I grew up eating just large deli platters at any, like, Jewish family gathering, mm-hmm, right? Sure. Like, uh, you'd be meeting for someone's birthday, and if it was between the hours of, like, 9 a.m. and noon, you would have the bagel and lox platter. If it was between, like, noon and 3 p.m., you'd just have the giant deli platter out there. Yeah. And that's what I grew up on. And I used to not even think about the difference between pastrami and corned beef, because I was like, they're both well, just there's salty, no difference. Yeah. delicious. Um, now that I've gotten older, my palate has become more refined. Nicole. Yeah, I prefer the purity of corned beef. But how is it the purity if it's pastrami plus other things? No, pastrami is corned beef plus other things. No, it's not. Yes, it is. What do you mean? What do you think pastrami is? Describe okay, describe okay. the the process of making pastrami. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought no, but this whole time, so corned beef is like is like you you make a brine and you let uh-huh. it sit. And then you smoke it, right? You don't know. Corned beef isn't smoked. Corned it's, beef is brined and then boiled. Brined and boiled. Okay, okay. But and then pastrami is just meat that you like dry, like dry brine? Well, so the <laughs> interesting thing about that is pastrami, the root word of it, you mentioned basturma, basturma earlier. Basturma, yeah. Basturma is, uh, I associate with Turkey, right? But also, I mean, it's, I think it's Armenian, it's but a, whatever. It's a, yeah. there, it's, you know, across that whole region. Yeah. Uh, the closest like root to... The Jewish pastrami that we have today is probably brought from Romanian Jews and it's called oh, pastarma. But of course, same root word yeah. Yeah, going yeah. back to like ancient Latin or whatever. And that was typically made using a dry brine and then it would actually be like cold smoked sometimes. Hmm. And it was typically made with if it wasn't a, a Romanian Jew doing it, if it was just a Romanian Romanian, mm-hmm. um, they would probably be doing it with pork or lamb sometimes. But like there's even – Pastarma goose. It's just like a way mm, of curing. It's a it's a process. Yeah, it's a preservation method. Pastramiing something. Exactly. Well, but yeah. not pastramiing. Pastarmaing. Pastarmaing. Because because you don't get the word pastrami until you see it in Jewish delis, uh, mm. in like you know maybe the late 1800s, early 1900s in mm-hmm. America, mm-hmm. and people. The operating theory. There's not like a ton of etymological research about that. About this is that Romanian Jews who started opening up delis alongside German Yiddish Jews. Um, in New York, they were just like, we see the word salami is popular, especially because, you know, there were a ton of Italians living there at the time as well. Cool. They were like, we see the word salami is popular, pastarma, so, eh, they'll get it, pastrami. Oh, so they, they just co opted it. Yeah, they just co opted it. Cool. And so when I think of like Jewish corned beef, I just think of effectively unsmoked, unpeppered pastrami. Huh. But there's something about like the purity. Nicole, you know how much I love boiled meats. You are such a boiled meat man. Oh, boiled sliced meat. But there's such like a beautiful craft to corned beef. I agree. It definitely is. There's something about it I really, really like though. It's just good. Yeah. And it's like it's aromatic. Yeah. Because like typically – so you mentioned like the Irish corned beef and cabbage, right? Yeah. So corned beef was really, really huge as an export from Ireland. And there's a lot of historical reasons. God dang Nicole, I'm about to spiral into a history lesson again. I have nothing else better to do. So do I'm want- down to get educated. Okay, cool. So in the 1600s, um, Britain was like basically invaded and took over Ireland, right? Um, yeah. And then the two economies, <laughs> you say that like, you know, and then they passed like a, a cattle uh, export ban. So you couldn't, like, export cattle from Ireland to Britain for some odd reason. Um, uh, But in Ireland, uh, they – Ireland had a much lower salt tax than England. So it was, like, one-tenth the price – salt. Ireland had a much lower salt tax than England. (laughs) Salt was, like, the tax was literally one-tenth of what it was in England. Sure. So basically they were, like, we got a bunch of cattle. We need to preserve it. 
Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to, you know, just use all this cheap ass salt to just pack into the, the, the beefs and they would use every part of the cow for this. And then they would typically can it. Uh, and then this is like, you know, kind of later in the future a little bit. Uh, they had a huge demand from navies at the time. Where, mm. So like Ireland was basically just exporting all of this corned beef. Um, but that said, people in Ireland, they were so exploited by the British mm-hmm. um, and all of the, the taxes and the tariffs and the bans and all that, that they like couldn't afford to eat the beef themselves. Oh, wow. So corned beef was a big thing that like the Irish saw as a huge luxury and they would export, but like they weren't eating that too much. Then the Irish, especially during the Great Famine of the 1860s, Nicole, are you tracking this? Nicole, are you tracking um, this? I'm like uh, disassociating pretty hardcore, <laughs> but it is nice for you to speak and like no. make eye contact with me. So I'm, I'm like here. <laughs> this is no, the quality. Time I understand. That we get. I understand. I'm following. Great Famine in the 1860s. The Irish because uh, of the potatoes. Because of the potato blight. Yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. potato blight, but it was more because of the British extractionist crappy policies. Oh. That made yeah. So anyway, anyways, Nicole's bored. I'm gonna wrap this up. The Irish move in. <laughs> large waves to New York City especially uh-huh. and they start living next to who Nicole? The Jews. The Jews. <laughs> <laughs> they started living they really did. There's yeah. a bunch of songs in the early 1900s. Oh, nice. This is all from like 20 minutes of me reading about it. Nice. I'm fascinated with this. It is fascinating. There are a bunch of songs from like the early 1900s like about the Jewish-Irish connection nice. uh, and like Romeo and Juliet stories and folk songs about it. It's really cool. Is Romeo and Juliet, is no. Romeo Jewish? No, is it's Juliet not. No, Jewish? That's not. I'm saying like that forbidden love between the Irish community and the Jewish community was a big thing in 1900 <sighs> songs. Anywho, so then the Irish get here and the Jewish deli owners are like, yo, we got these giant slabs of corned beef and beef in America is hella cheap. Mm -hmm. And the Irish are making a lot more money in New York than they did in Ireland. And they're like, yo, corned beef, like that stuff that we used to be deprived of, like, Mm -hmm. hell yeah, give that to me. So it became a big Irish American thing, even though corned beef, especially with cabbage, is like hardly eaten at all in Ireland itself. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like an so it's like an immigrant food. Yeah, it's it's very yeah. much like an immigrant food. It's like uh, the orange chicken of Irish cool. Americans. Right? That's really interesting. Yeah, and then so that became a Jewish deli staple in a big part because demand from Irish Americans. Sure. And then you have the Romanian Jews with their pastarma via pastrami. And so now we have these two delicious meats, Nicole, that we get to debate about and we get to choose. I know. We're so lucky. We're so lucky. So what's your go-to, like, sandwich out of jelly other than, what is it, liver chopped onion? <laughs> yeah, what's the my, other my one? Other than your liver chopped onion. Yeah, what's or, your other one? What's, um, what's your, when you're at a deli, like, wh- you're always going towards the corned beef? Corned beef Reuben? Pastrami Reuben? This is tough. So Reuben is typically made with pastrami. Yes. And Reuben is typically made with sauerkraut, Russian dressing, and Swiss cheese. Marble rye. On marble rye. Yeah, Good marble you gotta rye. Gotta do the marble rye. Um, I love the idea. I love the idea of a Reuben more than I love an actual Reuben. Sure, I totally understand that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but a Reuben, like you have your preferences with a Reuben. I feel mm. like everyone does. Mine's pastrami. If you were wondering, <laughs> is that your standard order when you go to a deli? That no, you get a pastrami Reuben. No, it's not my standard order. But there's something about a Reuben sandwich that I feel like every human needs to like zero in on. Yeah, and you need to find out what meat you like. I just like a pastrami sandwich. I think I actually said this in the last podcast, the hundred foods you need to eat before you die. I think it was a pastrami sandwich on some sort of bread. I don't remember the bread with mustard. Well, what kind of bread? What kind of bread do you go? Like, you, like we're at a deli right like now. We're going to Brentson Northridge, Nicole. I've Fun field been. trip. You never been to Brentson. I've never been to Brentson, but I had a friend who worked there, and uh, I was always like, "Hey, Lily, can I come?" And she's like, "No." <laughs> it's a great Jewish deli. Yeah, it's a, it's just a schlep. I've it's a heard, schlep. I've heard Brents is very very good. Um, I'm gonna get. Well, it depends what kind of bread they have. I really do like just a rye 
I do yeah. like rye bread. Marble or just like just a good regular caraway seeded? Caraway seeded yeah, rye. Same, same. And um, I like it only lightly toasted on one side. I don't get toasted. You get toasted on your like yes. sandwich? Yes. I would never get it toasted. Let me tell you what it is. You have to toast it and then you put the mustard on the untoasted part. Mm. And then so you can have the crunchy bread and then the soft bread. That is, that is <laughs> listen, I respect the discernment of your taste. Yeah. Do you like coleslaw in your pastrami slash corned beef sandwiches? No, and but that's a big thing. Okay, so the last time I, the only time I've been to a legit New York deli, Nicole, are you ready for the the Jewishness of this sentence? <laughs> yeah. I met, I met, I went to Katz's Deli with the Feldman brothers, who I met on Birthright, <laughs> and then they took me to Katz's. Wow. That's I cool. Went, it was really cool. I, I went as an appetizer to another dinner that I was going to. Sounds like something that happens in New York a lot. Yes. Is it I, true? Like people just like eat. Like they have like first dinner and then second everything's dinner. Everything's so and, close to each other yeah. and everything's open so late. And then we went bar hopping. We just went to like eight different places. That's fun. Um, but uh, went to Katz's. I, I didn't know how to take the subway. So I walked two and a half miles there and I was like afraid to hail a cab. Because I, I literally thought I'd try and hail a cab and the cabbie would be like, that's not how you do it, idiot. And then drive away. Because <laughs> that's how like, everyone in New York talks. Yes. And so I just walked and I showed up there sweaty because I thought it was cold in New York and I only brought long pants. Anywho. I get there. I'm super hungry. Um, I get a corned beef sandwich on rye with chopped liver on it. And that, to me, is the ideal deli sandwich. Did anybody look at you funny? No. That's just like a— Is that a normal thing to get? It must be. That's so incredible. You know? I, I love chopped liver. That's what I'm saying. I, I love never knew liver. that was a thing I could get. And I love it as a condiment on <laughs> a deli sandwich uh, in the same way that you'd put pate on like a bun mi, right? Sure. Absolutely. And so that is my ideal deli sandwich. Yeah. And I don't even need mustard on the sandwich. I have mustard on the side. And For like, dipping. of course, you go to Katz's and the sandwiches are, you know, nine inches Double decker, tall. yeah. And so you're just eating half the meat plain on its own, dipping it in mustard. And then we got a knish and then we got a hot dog. What's and I had a to knish? try the Reuben. What's a knish? I don't oh, eat knishes. Oh, my God, Nicole, I get to teach you about our culture. It's like a flaky pastry that's typically filled with potato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ashkenazi Jews. We, yeah. We figured out how to put starch on starch. Sounds like a starch. Sounds like a borek. Yeah, a really similar, yeah. It's Great. like a German-Yiddish borek. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. From Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans, they've got you covered. Heck yeah, they do. Their products come in a variety of amazing colors, from classic black and white to pinks, greens, yellows, and blues. And the best part, Nicole... Everything's non-toxic. Josh, I've been in the market for a kettle for months. Yeah, I've heard I've, you talk about it a weird amount. Yeah, I've bought like a bunch, returned a bunch, but I just got my hands on the Great Jones Fellow Kettle collab, and I got it in the color broccoli, and I'm so excited to make artisanal teas and coffees. I'm trying to get on my coffee game right now, and I'm mm. so excited to use a gooseneck kettle. We have no idea. I'm excited to use their yellow hot dish, a.k.a. casserole dish. Shout out to Minnesota and Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, but right. I'm, I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, I'm an adult. I should have nice vessels to serve food out of sure, instead of just serving it on like stainless steel restaurant style things. And I like it. It's cute. It's got a good design. Bakes really well. Holds heat. I'm in, baby. And once you try Great Jones, you'll want to share it with friends. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code SANDWICH. That's greatjones.com, promo code SANDWICH. 
I don't know, man. I I love both so much, but I just lean towards pastrami. Have you ever had the hat before? <laughs> yes, I've, I've had. never been to the hat, but. Every single time I pass one of those billboards, I'm like, damn it. I really got to go to the hat. Okay, so the hat is like a Southern California institution. Yeah. There were some by me where I grew up in Orange County, about 50 miles south of L.A. And the pastrami that they serve, it is like, if you think of Jewish jelly pastrami, right? You're thinking uh-huh. of like that fatty deckel or brisket that's been smoked super long. It's super tender. Like, I remember watching the pastrami jiggle at Katz's, Nicole. At wow. Katz's, they brine their pastrami for three weeks. They Ooh. boil it for three days. They smoke Ooh. it for three days. Ah! <laughs> and then they steam it before they slice it. Wow. So it is just a jiggly, fatty deliciousness. Mm. You go to a place like The Hat, they're slinging like fast and dirty pastrami sandwiches. That stuff's just coming from a factory. That, you I know, still want to try. Does it have like the the pepper on the side of it and it's like curled a little bit? It's, yeah, it's curled because the oh, fat's wow. still kind of hard. You'll get some gristly pieces. But oh, that's like wow. the, the, that, that represents so the two different kinds of pastrami, right? Yeah, but you, but I feel like you don't get that sort of spectrum with corned beef. You don't. And I think that's a yeah. problem. You know, I want more corned beef specialists out there. The, oh Give me the young, cool hipster Jews. Nicole, there's these, there's like hipster Jews making like cool. Ashkenazi Jewish, like, smoked and kippered fish. Yeah. You know, they're doing, like, burnt habanero and cilantro stem, you know, kippered salmon. Cool. Why can't we get that with corned beef? Well, you know? there's a pop-up called The Bad Jew, and she makes pork strami. She's making pork strami, Which is but... pretty freaking cool, <laughs> if you ask me. But I... I don't know. I don't know. I just can't wrap my head around why. There's something about the two of them. Like, if I saw them both on a plate... Which one would I eat, like, on its own? I don't know. Pastrami's more inviting. Pastrami's sexier. Pastrami equals a sexier meat. I kind of think corned beef is sexier on its own. In the way that, like, No, I'm flip-flopping. I don't know. You ever, like, you know, really, like, see your partner without makeup, and you're like, man, that's, like, that's true. That's That's true sexiness right there. That is beauty. There's something (laughs) about just the naked club. That's, like, unadorned corned beef. It doesn't, Nicole, corned beef, sexy queen, (laughs) sexy beefy queen corned beef. Doesn't need the adornment of the pepper, of the spices, of the smoke. No, it's there. I kind of like, like, I'm like right now I'm like, I'm like having like a, like a moment in my mind. Like I have, like I literally right here. Okay. Yeah. I'm imagining it. Imagining it. There's one plate of pastrami and there's one plate of corned beef and you're literally supposed to just try one. Which one are you going for? Because right now my, like my initial instinct is pastrami. But now that we've been talking about it so much, maybe it's corned beef. Nicole, lean into the wet supplements so wet. of the corned beef. It gets it is so the, wet. <laughs> it is the meat designed to be soaked. If that's not sexy, I don't know what is. The soaked beef yeah. sheets. And, it's, and there's like a level of like fat sometimes on the yes. top. And you're like, yes. wow. <laughs> just, 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 just poached Maggie, fat. Maggie, are you okay? <laughs> Gelatinous, white and jiggling. Maggie, just imagine that. You give it a little slap. Maggie needs to leave. You give, yeah. Maggie's Google searching soaked beef sheets right now. What do we got? <laughs> Not nearly as dirty as we thought the results would be. Have you ever had the Hillshire Farm ones that are like corned beef for strong? You're talking about like just straight like lunch meat. The one in the red, the one with the red Tupperware top. Yes, yes, yes. I love those too, though. I do too. That's, yeah, that's, there's a place for those too. That's what I grew up on. Yeah, me too. If you had to choose between, if I'm choosing on those, Nicole. <laughs> I'm going pastrami. I'm going pastrami just because it has pepper on the <laughs> Same, same, same. I, uh, I've been, <laughs> big news in my life, I've been buying a lot of lunch meat recently. Good for you. Because I found that I really enjoy, if I need a nice healthy snack, I'll grab a fistful of ham. <laughs> and then that's my You have ham snack. in the house? <laughs> yeah, it must be nice, right? 
I listen. We're modern. I'm Jews. kidding. Uh, okay, so what I want to know is what about all of the different kinds of corned beef? Because corned beef means different things to different people. Aside from the Jewish deli stuff, That's what true. about the canned stuff? I Nicole, I have an entire case of uh, Pure Foods brand corned beef from oh. the Philippines. Oh, my one of my best friends, Emil. Shout out, Emil. Thanks for bringing all the nice Filipino snacks as a gift. I was like, hey, man, thanks for letting me stay here tonight. Here's a, t- here's so a pallet nice of, of corned beef. What a, what a gentleman. What a mensch. And I also grew up on uh, corned beef hash in a can. Yeah, there's that like said, corned beef hash and then Libby's, the one where you have to use like the weird like uh, pin to open yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are they called corned beef? Okay. Well, so it, it is corn. Like the corning process. Corn referred to the size <laughs> of the salt kernels. <laughs> this, is, this is just information that I know. This is so interesting. This isn't like planning for this. So you're not portion. It looks so, like corn kernels. Okay. And so they would just dump a bunch of these corn-ass looking <laughs> salt kernels. What kind of salt? Into a tub. It was just sea. Sea salt, Nicole, from this <laughs> Irish sea. <laughs> Any so, questions? koshering and corning are the same thing. Yeah, man. Come yeah. on. It's just all salt and you're just all salt and all the beefs. Actually, <laughs> did you know, hold on. Uh, did you know the original corned beef recipe in Ireland, Nicole, they actually used sea ash. They would burn, Nicole, check this out. They would burn salty seaweed and wow. then cover that in ash. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That sounds great. And I won't be surprised if some weirdo makes an LA pop up about that. Corn, Dude, yeah. Yeah. Corn beef with sea ash. We got 900 year old corned beef recipe <laughs> covered cool. in sea ash. Why don't you do that for us? <laughs> Why don't you do that for the Meals of History show? Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Oh, hey. Yeah. Oh, that's a great pitch. Thanks. You know what? You know what? You know what I think is really cool? Um, you got, there's been a big pastrami resurgence. Yeah, pastrami sexy. <laughs> pastrami sexy again. Um, there was when I was doing my pop up at Smorgasburg, Stony Bologna Artisanal How many years ago was that? Like five years ago? Yeah, and it's all I can seem to talk about. But that said, I lost $5,000. Not a great time for me. Um, are we proud of the work that we did? But the dude next to me, Nicole. The dude next to me, I'm okay. such a good businessman. The dude next to me, ugly drum pastrami. Oh, yeah. I feel like he kicked off a wave of like craft pastrami <laughs> where like you take the the, really the brisket or the deckle and you do it almost Texas style. Mm-hmm. And like that's the way you slice it in these really Gorgeous. just thick, it is a thick, salted, brined, peppery brisket yeah. that jiggles like Texas brisket. Yeah. You know? You know who's also doing it really good? I love Wexler's. Yeah, Wexler's is a another, really good another new new school cool kid deli in Los Angeles. Yeah, is making Friedman, craft pastrami. Friedman's. Wait, no, I think do they make their own? I think Ugly Drum makes pastrami for Wexler's. Do they? I th- I I don't know. I could I could be talking out of my tuchus here, Nicole. Um, but that said, there hasn't been a cool kid craft corned beef resurgence. What if we're the ones to do it? I'm I have nothing better. Like I said, I have nothing better to do. Do if you think you're we can down, make I'm corned down. beef sexy again? Yeah, I think so. We just got to change the name corned. Has a negative connotation to it. Salt beef. No. Uh, More. Horn horn beef. (laughs) Come on down and get some of that horn beef. You're all horned up for some beef, aren't you? Come down to Josh and Nicole's Horn Beef Emporium. Horn Emporium. Horn Emporium. Hardcore horn beef. We got a lot of horns. (laughs) Yeah, they should do a, they should make like, well, not us, but like someone should do hard corn. Hard corn beef. Okay, it takes a, it's a stretch to get you there from the pun, but I do really <laughs> respect and appreciate it. You ever have pastrami like in a dish that doesn't typically have pastrami, and you're like, "Hey, now, what the heck's going on you're here?" You're a ro- rock star. Uh, <laughs> like pastrami fries or pastrami pastrami burger? fries? Pastrami burger? 
Pastrami burger. I well, like pastrami I'm, burger. I'm thinking specifically of um, there's a restaurant that makes a pastrami pad ki mao. So like a Thai stir oh, fried yes, noodle I've with a bunch had of that pastrami before. Yes, it. I've had that before. How do you feel about that? It's okay. It's not. It's, it doesn't like change my life. It was no, a good dish. There's like pastrami tacos at a spot in uh, in New York. A no. chef named Alex Stupak was doing it. I remember that was a big deal back in the day. <laughs> I feel like the best application of pastrami is on a sandwich. I agree. I do love right? a good pastrami sandwich. I think I do love a good pastrami burger, though. Oh, that's that's an that's a part of our our childhoods growing pastrami up. Pastrami burgers, kind of fire with a nice onion ring in there. Oh. Oof, oof. One of my one of my favorite genre of restaurants, mm-hmm. and this is something that is like somewhat unique to Southern California. Um, typically, because of our you know big multicultural influence, sure. in a lot of these places were owned by Greek immigrants, which is funny. Yeah. Um, but it is like a diner style, but like not a sit down diner, like an order at the counter diner and they serve charbroiled burgers, hot dogs, bean burritos, crispy beef tacos, pastrami sandwiches and teriyaki bowls. Are you talking about Johnny Pastrami right now? I'm talking about Johnny Pastrami. I'm Johnny talking about pastrami. King's Burgers, yeah. which also now has a sushi bar inside of it. Incredible. But to me, that's like you go there and the pastrami is not good. Yeah. It's, it's not like the best craft pastrami you're ever going to have. Yeah. But the best part about it is that you can get a plate of like chili cheese fries topped with pastrami, mm. a pastrami burger with like blue cheese on it, and then like a teriyaki bowl for dessert. And that to me is a really beautiful thing. I have a story about Johnny Pastrami. What's your story about I Johnny went Pastrami? for my 21st birthday to Johnny Pastrami. Why? What a place to celebrate. I don't know. <laughs> I was dating a weird guy at that time. But it was a really good sandwich. It was like soft. That's it was in the a story. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> was that good? <laughs> yeah, I just, I, you're right. We need a corned beef resurgence in the U.S. and A. Yeah, we need it to. We need to make it sexy again. We need to rebrand it. We need to make it as sexy as pastrami is. But I just don't know how to do it. I do. Okay, you need do two it? sexy spokespeople, Nicole. <laughs> you need two young, sexy, thirty, flirty, and thriving corned beef, corned beef spokespeople. We'll wait. We need to get our business plan together. Okay. <laughs> and then Josh and Nicole's Horned Beef Emporium can open up probably somewhere in like Lancaster. It's going to be maybe fifty miles outside of LA. Aren't there a lot of religious zealots in Lancaster? Yeah, we just need to get them on our side. Okay, you know, okay, we need okay. to convince them. If we need to convince them that like I don't know. Uh, I can't speak to the anti-Semitic nature of the Lancaster potentially. Okay. But like, you know, we'll, we'll cater their church potlucks or whatever. Sure. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. But either way, come down to Josh and Nicole's Horn Beef Emporium down in Lancaster, California, circa 2024, and Ooh. we'll get your beef sheets nice and wet. Let's get corny. <laughs> That's the Josh and Nicole guarantee. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
Wow, why I'm making noises today. I had um, 110 grams of just whey protein before noon today, and that's a problem. All right, Nicole, we've heard what you and I have to say. Now it's time to find out what other wacky ideas are rattling out there in the Twitterverse. It's time for a segment we call Opinions Don't Like Casseroles. I need an antacid, dude. I need, I need something to quell my tummy pains because it is a gurgling. Drink down water. I already had a Diet Red Bull. <laughs> it's not water. <laughs> no, it's better than water. It's got nutrients in it. There's no nutrient content. <laughs> ew, 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 ew. Do you need a spit bucket? I don't know what happened. Now we're good. Okay, start the first one, please, if you can. All right, first up, we got, hey, Nicole, you're a fan of podcasts, right? I love podcasts. Can I can I, can I pitch you on, an, on a new podcast to listen to? Do you mind I if mean, I do that right now? I mean, I don't know if I have time, but it, make mean, it quick, make it quick. Listen, listen. Okay, so I'll make it quick. So Trevor Talks Too Much is hosted by Trevor Evers. He's a member of the Mythical Kitchen yes, that we all know and love. I'm and familiar. what he does, Nicole, is he sits down with somebody who's part of an industry that you love, such <laughs> as gaming or maybe even sports. Sometimes they dance, sometimes they sing. And then Trevor has a really great conversation with them. Uh, his episode with Justin Minx is one of the funniest damn things I've ever heard. Uh, and Justin Minx is, I mean, just a, what a precocious, um, very vulgar woman. She ends up paying Trevor $24 because she can't stop swearing. and It was a whole thing. All right. At the Nick Novak, the combination of peanut butter, chili, and crushed Doritos are fantastic and deeply underrated hot dog toppings together. He recommends peanut butter on the bun, chili followed by Doritos on top of the dog. This peanut is... butter. Ch- no. Yeah. No. Wait, you're not into this? Uh, no. Peanut the... butter and chili. I add peanut butter to my chili, which all the Texans are going to really love and respect. They're going to go, wow, Josh. No. I know that that follows several savory peanut butter adaptations of international recipes. No. You seem very smart. I do like the chili and crushed Doritos, but the peanut butter? No, nah, I can't. I can't do that. You're wrong. No, I'm not. You're wrong. I'm not wrong. Vince DeLong says, sweet pickles are not pickles. They should be called whole relish. I agree. Sign me up. Where do I petition for this? I am 100% down for that. We issued the decree. Sweet pickles have been plaguing us for too long. They are now whole relish, and I know to stay away from them. Because I love little chopped pickles on things. I do not enjoy pre-prepared pickle relish. I love pickled red- relish. You love pickle relish? Yes. It's so, it's it just, serves its purpose. Yeah, it's sweet and gloopy. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's good, good on, on a hot dog. dog. On a hot dog. It's really good on a hot, hot dog. dog in a long time. I got a hot that's dog like, from Katz's. It was it was just the fine. Why hot did you dog. get a hot? That's because like going. He said you got to get the hot. That's dog. like going to a sushi restaurant and getting a pasta. What are you talking about? I'll get I'll get sushi pasta. I don't care. You're weird. <laughs> At Nathan Brink four French fried onions make basically any savory dish better. It's criminal they only show up on tables on Thanksgiving. Uh yeah. Uh these are great. Yeah, I got a story I about love this. Them. Oh, yeah? A story about this? <laughs> Does it involve going on a date on your 21st birthday to the French Onion Factory? <laughs> yeah, Nicole. I went to the French Onion Factory, a restaurant that absolutely exists. Oh, you're talking about like the French's Onion Factory, not not a restaurant called the French Onion Factory, <laughs> like the Cheesecake Factory, <laughs> where all they serve are 40 varieties of French obviously, onion soup. Obviously, <laughs> bro. Keep up. <laughs> no, I bought. Okay, so one, in, Julia refused to throw anything away. Yes. Right? We had like half a can of French's fried onions left over after last Thanksgiving because we only went through one and a half cans for our green bean casserole. So that's just been sitting in our pantry for forever. Um, I started using them as salad croutons. Yes. That's the end of the story. That's I guess. a great you know, story. I kind of thought there was more there, that's and then really there wasn't. Story. But I did that. It's good as hell. Such a good story. I love that story. Terrible story. Innovation. Innovation. Dietary Fiber says the best milkshake is a butter milkshake, vanilla ice cream base, a tad of vanilla extract, and a heaping healthy of them sweet cultured cream remains. Mm. Um, I've never had one, but 
I there are people out there that drink buttermilk. Uh, mm. n- I've never been that person, mm. but you. I mean, this does look good. Look real good. Something gets me all hot and heavy when you're talking about a heaping helping of sweet cultured cream remains. And I <laughs> effing love buttermilk ice cream. I made a bunch of buttermilk ice cream. Cool. Um, yeah, no, isn't that the coolest thing you've ever yeah, heard, Nicole? Yeah, that's, that wow, is cool. Oh my God, because you're like, wow, you make ice cream out of milk and cream, but <laughs> buttermilk? That's that is oh my cool. God. I'm not being I'm not being a dick. I'm being honest. I think it's cool. <laughs> and you know what I did with one of them with one of those batches, Nicole? I made a milkshake out of it. Oh, was it good? Oh my god, so good. Did you put salt in it? Uh, yeah. Because yeah. we love salted malted milkshakes. We love in the salted. Mal- kitchen. <laughs> There's one thing you know about the mythical kitchen. We love salted malted milkshakes. Correct. Correct. All right, at X Man's Burger Fifteen scones or scones. If you're British, they're like some oh scones are garbage. Is what they said they're like someone was trying to make a muffin but used bisquick instead of love. Um, scone. Okay, here's here's how you know scones are garbage. Every time you go to a coffee shop and late in the day and you want a pastry, yeah. they go all that's left are scones, and you go, you know why? Because they suck. Yeah, um, I love a good scone. And I like a good fruit scone. I don't like a chocolate scone. Oxymoron. The term good scone doesn't exist. I like scones. Well, the thing is, is it a scone or a scone? Because scones, I feel like, are the ones with the ridges on the outside. Are they? And a scone is the one that's like freeform. I don't know. I mean, we consider it like a scone in America. So so Brits don't have biscuits. I mean, their biscuits are cookies, of course. But an American, <laughs> an American biscuit to a Brit is likely the closest equivalent is a scone, right? Sure. Or a scone. But then in America, we make scones and we're we're dropping all kinds of fruits in it, maybe some chocolate, mm-hmm. whatever. I like I like a scone. I just like it less than any other pastry <laughs> that anyone would likely have. You know what I mean? A good scone is good, man. I used to make these incredible fig and cheese scones. They were like and chocolate scones. Ugh, they were fire. It's good. I I like things that are kind of intentionally crappy that makes either coffee or tea taste better. You know what this I mean? This is one of those things. Like I love like uh, one of my favorite things is like a concha, right? Oh, Which like sure. by itself, it's you know it's very kind of crusty. It's a little bit dry. It's a little bit sweet. But when you're drinking it with or when you're eating it with coffee, that's an incredible experience. Sure, you're, you're dipping it, dipping you're it, sipping yeah. it. It's a great time. So that's how I feel about a scone. It needs to be with a liquid. Okay, no, Nate Mastay twenty two says warm Dr Pepper is a better complement to any smoked or grilled meat than any commercially available sauce. Sure, I understand why you feel this way. I've this never done it. This is a good it. hot take. Yeah, this is smart. You know, people will like spritz down barbecued meats with like apple cider vinegar yeah. or something. Yes. I would just do that with straight Dr. Pepper. It would create a nice little caramelly bark on it. Tons of complexity in there. There's more sure. aromatics in Dr. Pepper than there is in your barbecue sauce. Absolutely. This sounds like a heck of a, a heck of an invention. I want to do it. Same. I've never done it. This is a good idea. Oh, Dr. Just straight Dr. Pepper ribs. Dang. Good stuff. Ooh, terrible opinion coming up. At Kane WJ, Kraft Singles dipped in chocolate pudding is delicious. Wow. Sharp left. That's a, yeah, that's a big this turn. This is a sharp left. Kane, I, I I really respect that you have such uh, developed tastes and, and that you seem to really know what you want out of life, which is great. But I, I, I dislike the fact that you've ruined my day. This sounds gross. Yeah, Sorry. This, this is, tapioca, um, though. Tapioca. American Side me ch- the F up. Yeah. <laughs> the problem isn't cheese and pudding. That's no, a it's combo. the chocolate. It's the chocolate of it all. It's upsetting with yeah, the chocolate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Butterscotch? Ugh. That'd be great. That, well, that's worse. That's worse? Oh, wait. Why? And now I'm thinking in my head why that would be better. Butterscotch will be better because it would remind me of uh, Brunos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Br- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yektos. Yeah, yeah. Big Yektos fan. What's it like a Norwegian caram- it's, it's, caramelized cheese? It's basically like a caramelized American cheese. So good. You're making that. Yeah. Hey, uh, Kane, just maybe try switching to butterscotch pudding. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if you think chocolate is the best, but, you know. 
Uh, try it. We're experts. Yeah, we are professional <laughs> food people. Uh, JDZX4 says mashed potatoes should be utilized in more breakfast dishes. Oh, huh. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and flip that one. I think shredded potatoes should be utilized in more lunch and dinner dishes. I love I love mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes are my favorite. How do you utilize it in a breakfast dish? Um, I would put a bed of mashed potatoes and then uh, I would put sunny side eggs and then um, uh, bacon. You treat it like grits? Yeah. Kind of sounds nice. Sounds really nice. A little nice. soft egg and mashed potatoes? Mm. I'm kind of in. I'm kind of in. Who needs polenta, baby? You yeah, got that's potatoes. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. At Ghostface Kayla, great screen name. name, Kayla. Good stuff. Cake is better on its own or without a ton of frosting. Sometimes I feel frosting hides bad or dry cake attempts. I'm gonna, I'm like, I'm gonna stop this right there. Yeah, that's good. What? That's good that frosting hides bad cake. That's the point. It's great. Most cakes are mm-hmm. not like great. Like a lot of people are bad yeah. at making stuff. Sure. And then frosting fixes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then they go on to argue the cake is the most important part, and I feel a lot of times frosting overpowers the cake, which should be the star. That's only if you're making great cake. If you're making a good cake, and I'm talking about like maybe a blood orange upside down cake. Oh, if you're making dude. that, you obviously don't need a frosting. But if you're making a layer cake and you're making a box cake, use the frosting. I, I understand. They're making the Texas barbecue ar- argument, right? Oh, if it, it's so good, you don't need barbecue sauce? Yeah. It's like that might be true. However, 99% uh, are not going to be yeah. you know, to that level. For sure, and for so sure. I, I'm going to do what I need I'm going to do what I need to get it down, you know? Yeah. Um, one tip for uh, making your cakes less dry, poke some holes in them and then make a little milk soak out of a little bit of vanilla extract and whole milk. Yeah. I'm curious what Ghostface Kayla would say about a cake soak. Cakes. You need to learn about cake soaks. Well, no. Ghostface. I mean, they, they may know, but they may think that is an affront to the quality of cake, too. Like, if you're good enough at making cake, your cake should stand alone. Uh, Trez Leches has entered the chat. Bro. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Come on. Best way to save a bad cake, soak it in as many kinds of milks as you can afford. Trez Leches cake is one of the best cakes ever in the history of life. Underrated. I'm we don't talk a, about it too much. I want to make a pandan Tres Leches. We have pandan leaves. We have, pan, we have, we have pandan leaves? Yeah. Dude, sick. <laughs> but, like, where's the time? Where's the time? Where's I know, time? I know. Is it my turn? Yeah. Uh, Sunshine Nick says strawberry flavored things taste better than strawberries. Yes, strawberry medicine is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> my mom used to give me strawberry medicine all the time. And it turned uh, out great. I'm a cherry medicine guy. Ew. And, 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 and. Um, no, I, uh, I, Nicole, I don't know if you know this about me. I eat about, I eat about two to three pounds of strawberries a week. I didn't know you were a strawberry eater. I wasn't until Julia converted me. That's Aww. one of our fun little couple things. She makes you eat fruit? Well, I, she I really love you. Bro, I ate two <laughs> apples before 9 a.m. today. I just sat in like the little foyer in the office Are and stared at people. Are you a fruit eater? I'm a huge fruit eater. I didn't know I that. I eat all those frozen I blueberries. I no idea you were such a fruit man. You've seen my giant sacks of blueberries Yeah, but in the that's freezer. just blueberries. Blueberries aren't real fruit. What do you mean blueberries are real? They're so dense They're with fake. antioxidants. They're fake. I eat apples all the time. I, I run through a ton of fresh pineapple. Julie and I will take a little bit of whipped cream and we'll like chop strawberries. We'll put just little dollops of whipped cream and sometimes, Maggie, look at me, and sometimes we'll put like some crushed granola on there. And it's just fun. It's so you know? cute. It's like a Josh. fun, healthy. So cute, Josh being wholesome with his wife. I love it. Yeah, yeah it it's brings a good me time. much joy. I love that. <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah, we'll watch like, um, she likes watching Catfish, you know, the show. It's such a good show. Kind of watching Catfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eating, eating strawberries and whipped cream. You guys look got so a lot of whipped cream. Uh, that's a good. You talk about yeah. eating whipped cream a lot. Oh no, yeah. House. Oh, we do. We keep uh, <laughs> at least two to three bottles because once that's you crazy man run out of one, then Nicole, that's like a warning because you, you run out of one, your next night's not ruined. You don't got to immediately go to the grocery store. Do you, you have it every one. night? 
No, no, probably three, four nights a week. That's a nice so little treat. Sometimes you guys little, are so uh, freaking cute. Yeah, we're. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, thank you for listening to a hot dog is a sandwich. If you want to hear more from us here in the Mythical Kitchen, we got new episodes for you every Wednesday. If you want to be featured on opinions or like casseroles, you can hit us up on Twitter at Mythical Chef or Andhendizada with the hashtag opinion casserole. And for more Mythical Kitchen, check us out on YouTube where we launch new videos every week. And of course, if you want to share pictures of your dishes, hit us up on Instagram at Mythical Kitchen. See you next time. Bye.